When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to a special night and time of the Real Forno Show. We weren't able to come to you yesterday, but we have a lot of great stuff here for you tonight in lieu of missing Monday. We have Alex Katzen. He's been on the show before. He is the spreadsheet sultan and a columnist over at Chargers Wire. He's going to help us find out all there is to know about probably the dumbest team in the National Football League, the Los Angeles Chargers, and how the Vikings can potentially win or lose that game that's probably just going to be absolutely psychotic on Sunday. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Hosted by Tyler Fornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer for the College Football Network. Publisher of Substack Run In Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. You are looking live, one, at two beautiful Warren Moon jerseys, and two, five beautiful pendants over on the other side. My name is Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, producer Dave, this time in the bottom right corner, because to my, I don't know, is it to my right because it's technically that way or is it to my left because it's on the screen? I don't know, but he is Alex Katzen. He is a salt sheet, sorry, Sultan of spreadsheets and the columnist over charges wire here to give us the lowdown on probably the only team that could be classified as dumber than the Minnesota Vikings. And that is the Los Angeles chargers. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Um, I think we can put the Falcons in there probably also, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely up there. Um, but yeah, doing good. Uh, thank you for having me um, again. Um, yeah, excited to uh, 
talk about this game. Um, I guess technically excited to watch this game. <laughs> um, <laughs> as excited as I can be um, for, uh, you know, watching what will undoubtedly be uh, one of the most psychotic games in uh, football history. Now, let's kind of talk about the Chargers. And there's something that goes around on social media and something that you and I both know really well. The Chargers like to charger. And they have this knack for losing games in the dumbest way possible. Uh, kind of explain what that means and, and how they just keep accomplishing it year after year. Yeah, so, um, you know, you can uh, watch pretty much any Chargers game and um, they will find a way to lose no matter what. Um, and very often that is uh, the dumbest way they could possibly lose the game. Um, so if you go back to last year, um, obviously the playoff game against the Jaguars, um, Chargers are leading 27 to nothing at halftime and uh, lose the game just uh, because they kind of just stopped playing football for the second half of the game, um, which is a really good decision to make when you're in the playoffs. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of been like that um, forever. Um, you know, there's a playoff game against the Jets where um, you trot out a rookie kicker, Nate Kading, and he misses a kick. And then the Jets trot out their rookie kicker and he makes a kick and uh, Chargers get eliminated. Um, you have a Chargers team in 2008 that is the best team, the best offensive team in football, the best defensive team in football, but they have the worst special teams in the history of football. And they go, uh, I don't remember what their record was that year, but they lose in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, 14 and two, and then they lose in the first round of the playoffs. Um, it's just Lots things like that. Yeah, well, it's things like that over and over again. Um, you know, it's uh, the Chargers had Peyton Manning's number his whole career, and then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, would beat Peyton Manning and then go and face Tom Brady and then lose to Tom Brady. <laughs> so, you know, it's just kind of uh, the same thing over and over again. Um, it's been the same thing with Phillip Rivers, it's been the same thing with Justin Herbert um, coaching. Coach doesn't matter. GM doesn't matter. City doesn't matter. Quarterback doesn't matter. None of it matters. Um, they're just a cursed football team um, permanently, it seems like. And there's something we know here a little bit about that. Everybody knows about the issues a kicker the Minnesota Vikings have had. The 15-1 the season, the 41 donut, which most people don't know about. And there were one fun fact for you, Katzen. The Vikings lost 41 nothing in the 2000 NFC Championship game to the Giants. At the Meadowlands, some Vikings players had a conspiracy theory that their all their signals were tapped by the Giants because they knew literally everything the Vikings were going to do. And then literally five months later, the NFL changed all their uh, communications rules at specifically because of that game. Uh, hmm. And then Bounty Gate, Strange. Brett Favre literally murdered by the New Orleans Saints, which is kind of a bittersweet thing because... Well, Vikings fans hate Brett Favre, uh, but I can he, yeah, so it, it's it's a really interesting dichotomy, and I'm fascinated to kind of see how this looks. Is Odie is trying to make an appearance, but he just wants to play, uh, and maybe I'll adjust my camera, but maybe I won't. The, the dogs are just being weird. We got our carpets clean today too, so they're probably just smelling all kinds of weird things. <laughs> Cats and let's start here. Um, I want to talk about Justin Herbert. When you look at him, he looks like a million bucks, just tall, long hair, great smile, absolute bazooka for an arm. And he does just does all these otherworldly things. What is holding him back from truly being a 
bona fide elite quarterback because I feel like there's some analysts out there that just don't quite have him on that echelon. And I think some of it has to do with his team's success. Would that be fair to say? I think so. Um, I think definitely a lot of the narratives around Justin Herbert um, have to do with uh, problems uh, just in terms of the Chargers don't win enough games for um, him to kind of be on a national stage where he is like consistently delivering the same way that like the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the league do. Um, I also think that there's just a sample size problem. Um, there's a lot of games that the Chargers need Justin Herbert to be absolutely perfect in order to win. Um, and then when he's not, it uh, causes a lot of discourse about how Justin Herbert is not clutch or, you know, this, that, or whatever. Um, there was a great graph that was posted this week um, by um, one of our Chargers guys um, on Twitter um, that Justin Herbert in his career has played in a game where there has been either a game-winning drive or a fourth-quarter comeback opportunity in 58% of his games in his career. Um, the next highest number is 42%. And I don't even remember who it is. I, you know, it's, it's someone else who's kind of like in that conversation as well, but 58% of his games require either a game winning drive or a fourth quarter comeback. And I think it's over half of his wins, like 51%, I think it is come from games in which he engineers that fourth quarter comeback or game winning drive. Um, but there's also plenty of times um, where those drives don't convert, that those comebacks don't happen. And so then you get the discourse about, well, Justin Herbert doesn't have a signature win. He doesn't, you know, he's not not someone that's putting together signature victories. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, it's just kind of like, it, it, like I said, it's just a sample size problem. Um, there's just too much Justin Herbert exposure in terms of fourth quarter and clutch opportunities. Um, and then also I think in, in terms of like what's holding him back from becoming like top, you know, cream of the cream of the crop is just like, he doesn't have enough bozo brain in him. Um, he's a little too smart for his own good. And, you know, it's always kind of, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, it's always kind of a silly narrative anytime that you get these guys that, um, you know, major in, uh, Justin Herbert was a biology major at Oregon. Right. And, you know, you always get these narratives about these guys that, major in like a lab science or something like that, that, Oh, they're too Mm -hmm. smart for football. They're not going to be a a good pro because they have, they're too smart. Um, And it's always kind of silly, but then like you watch Justin Herbert play and I don't think it has anything to do with his biology degree or anything like that, but you watch Justin Herbert play and it is almost like he's too smart for his own good. And really what it is, is he's too risk averse for his own good. Um, He has that bazooka of an arm, like you mentioned, but he's not willing to like just rip some of those throws that you see like a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes throw. Um, because even though he has that ability, he is more focused on let's get to the right read, keep the ball, like, you know, don't turn the ball over. He hasn't thrown an interception in the last five games or something like that. Um, you know, it's all about just like, let's hold on to the ball move the ball downfield in like manageable chunks. Like it's not about like throwing the big play every play. And sometimes uh, it needs to be, sometimes it needs to just be like, Hey, listen, like you have a one-on-one matchup down the sideline, like take it, like trust your guy, 
trust your arm and just take that shot. And if it doesn't work or if it's a pick or something, like it's fine. It's not a big deal. We'll recover from it. The offense is good enough to recover. And I think that he just doesn't have that sort of like confidence about him quite yet. So let's go here because I think Dan in the chat uh, makes a really good point that I was going to ask about kind of concerning Herbert and his career arc. Um, how often is he a part of the reason that the Chargers have to come back? Because that's something we've had discussions about with the Vikings, where one of the reasons why like they had so many games where they won by one score last year, they went 11 and 0 was because Kirk Cousins and the offense just would not be able to put teams away. So how much of it would you put on Justin Herbert and the offense for that versus Brandon Staley and his defenses? It's almost never Justin Herbert's fault. Um, and I say that as someone who is uh, was not a Justin Herbert fan coming out of college and then very quickly became a very ardent Justin Herbert fan when he got to the Chargers. Um, and so, you know, there's some bias on both sides there with that. Um, but if you watch the Chargers games, it's not Justin Herbert that is the one that is like the reason why they need to come back or like drag themselves back into these games. Because more often than not, what happens is that the Chargers jump out to a big lead in the first two quarters and then they come back from halftime. They can't run the ball in the third quarter. They can't move the ball at all in the third quarter. They're, um, you know, the other team comes back with their halftime adjustments. The defense can't stop them anymore. And all of a sudden, like a 17 to nothing lead turns into 17 to 10, turns into 20 to 17, turns into, okay, we lost the game 28, 23. Um, and there is some aspect of that, that, you know, there is like the Titans game last week. Um, Justin Herbert had three or four opportunities to, uh, you know, drive the do ball down the field, um, you know, put together a game winning drive, put together, a, you know, a signature win, that sort of thing. I get all of that. Um, but, you know, also like the Chargers were winning that game. They were in control of that game for the entire first half. Um, and then like the defense gives up a 70 yard play to Traylon Burks. They give up a 49 yard pass play to Chris Moore, who it was his only target of the entire game. Um, you know, they're, they're giving up the most efficient game of Ryan Tannehill's career um, to this point. Uh, it's not about a Justin Herbert can't pilot this offense. Um, I think that uh, there's a stat somewhere out there. I can't remember what it is exactly off the top of my head, but it's something like Justin Herbert has like Justin Herbert's teams since he came into the league have allowed 28 or more points more times than anyone else in the league over that stretch. Um, and so like Justin Herbert doesn't play defense. There's nothing that he can do about that. <laughs> um, like if he's, if he's giving up, you know, if his defense is giving up more than 28 points a game, like you can only expect the offense to match that output so many times. And even when they do, like you look at the dolphins game in week one, that chargers offense puts up 34 points. doesn't matter because the defense gives up 36. And so, you know, when you when you get into situations like that, there's only so much that he can do and I think that um the media narrative around him as a top quarterback in the league kind of raises those expectations of this should be a guy that should be able to elevate and overcome those circumstances every time. But again, like you look at you look at the stats and like Patrick Mahomes' teams aren't giving up 28 or more points like 
more than 50% of the time. Josh Allen's teams aren't giving up 28 or more points more than 50% of the time. Justin Herbert is the only one that this is happening to. Um, and that's not to say that like Justin Herbert doesn't have his flaws. I think he definitely has his flaws. Like I said, he needs to be more aggressive down the field a lot of the time, I think. Um, but also like there's only so much that you can do when you have uh, a defense that is essentially non-functional at this point and a running game that has really struggled up until like week one of the season. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what that looks like, you know, down the line, the rest of the season with Kellen Moore at offensive coordinator, but you know, just generally speaking, Justin Herbert's career, like the running game has not been good. And so that lets you focus on defending the pass that really like tightens those windows that Herbert can throw into. Um, and so there's only, you know, there's only so much that you can get out of him, um, even if he is this superstar in the league. So let's talk about that running game. And they had one of the most successful single rushing games in the history of the National Football League with a top 10 success rate on all running plays. And the Vikings just gave up 259 yards to the Philadelphia Eagles. And the ghost of DeAndre Swift, who finally had a breakout game in year four, well, they also had one of those top 10 success rate rushing games of all time. How can one, what does the health of Austin Eckler look like? Because things did not go well with Joshua Kelly last week. Part of that, I think you can credit the Titans defensive line because that's just a stout group of dudes. And two, like they have a really intriguing matchup against the Vikings because uh, like the a Vic Fangio defense is supposed to do Vikings don't run Fangio stuff anymore, but a Fangio defense is just supposed to make, make you win with paper cuts small plays here and there. And the Vikings basically just told the Eagles, we're not going to let you go deep. They still got deep a couple times and it, it ended up impacting the game immensely, but they just said, run the football. You're going to have to run us to death. If you're going to beat us. And the chargers look to be able to potentially do that, especially with how much p- drive that the offensive line is getting. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, the Titans game, um, Joshua Kelly was not super effective. Um, I still have to go back and I have to watch the all 22 of that game because uh, good old NFL plus is uh, late getting it out. Um, but yeah, right. Crazy. Um, but I thought on live viewing that like it's much more about the Titans defense than about Joshua Kelly. I thought that Kelly picked the right gap on most of those plays. I thought that he was in the mm-hmm. right place, putting himself in a position to get those yards and just the Titans were just better. Um, and you know, sometimes that's going to happen. What are you going to do? The Titans have probably the best defensive line in the league. Um, so I'm not really too concerned there. Um, as far as Austin Eckler goes, um, Brandon Staley said yesterday that there's no timetable for his return. Um, he also said that about Eric Kendricks, which is very good. Well, I'm sure we'll touch on that later. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, Eckler, no timetable for his return for that ankle injury. Um, it's weird because he came back and he played in the Dolphins game where he had the injury. And so no timetable might just mean like Brandon Staley has no idea. Um, and you know, maybe he comes, maybe Eckler comes back in a week and maybe he comes back, you know, maybe he comes back this week. Maybe he comes back in a week. Maybe he has to go on IR. Um, or it could just mean that like, it's a more serious injury than everyone thought it was. Um, uh, when it happened and, you know, adrenaline is a powerful thing and maybe that's what got him through the rest of that game. Um, I think that regardless, the chargers are going to go with a much more run heavy game plan against the Vikings. Um, because the tape shows that like the, the weakness of the Vikings defense is running the ball. Um, and the chargers offensive line is a fantastic run blocking line at this stage. Um, I think you've seen, 
uh, that in the first two weeks, um, week one more so than week two, of course. Um, but with Trey Pipkins back healthy and Rashawn Slater back healthy at left tackle, of course, um, Zion Johnson and Jamari Sawyer are playing their natural positions at guard. Corey Lindsley is a you know former all pro at center. It's a very, very good run blocking line. Um, I think that you're going to see a much more run heavy game plan. Um, it was a lot more pass heavy against the Titans. Um, I think that you're seeing from Kellen Moore that the uh, offense is very willing to just exploit what the defense's weakness is or what they've determined the defense's weakness is. Um, and so I think you're going to see a lot more running the ball, whether Eckler plays or not. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of Joshua Kelly. Um, uh, in week one, even with Eckler playing, Kelly still got 16 carries for 91 yards. Eckler also had 16 carries. So it's a pretty even split, even when Eckler is fully healthy and playing. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of Kelly. Um, if Austin Eckler doesn't go, it's going to be Elijah Dotson in that RB2 spot. Um, he's kind of ahead of Isaiah Spiller at this stage. Spiller just hasn't really come along. He's still reading runs wrong. Um, he had a couple plays against Tennessee where he got the ball and then just didn't read his blocks correctly. Um, so he's still kind of developing as a player. Dotson is going to be the RB2 there if uh, Eckler can't go. Yeah, those angle injuries are funny because uh, Christian Derrissaw kind of had a similar thing. Hurt his ankle early against the Buccaneers, missed six plays, finished the rest of the game. Warmed up against uh, before the Eagles game, they made him active. And then in their actual like warm up before the game started, in between those that time, he re-injured it and then and didn't end up playing a single snap. So those ankle injuries are kind of fickle, especially when they're low ankle and not high ankle because they're 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 just treated a little bit differently. But I want to talk about Kellen Moore in this offense, and I want to start here. It's it's obviously different, and I know you've mentioned to me in in our group chat that they're not running stick anymore, which was kind of the meme with Joe Lombardi, which obviously they were running stick. It felt like ninety percent of the time, but. What is he doing differently to attack vertically down the field? Because that was the one thing that Oregon never did with him and why you and I were not high on him coming out of the draft because all he did was throw from sideline to sideline and it just wasn't conducive to what his skill set was. And then second of all, I have to ask about Quentin Johnston. He's not really seeing a lot of snaps. How much of that is just due to where the Chargers are at in their receiver room? Because they do have three good guys, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Josh Palmer, who I think is a little bit underrated. And how much of it just has to do with Johnson not developing? Because it can be it can be kind of construed in a couple different ways. Yeah, so we'll kind of start with the, the last question and work our way backwards here. Um, all of Quentin Johnson not playing has to do with where the Chargers are at right now. It has nothing to do with where Johnson is at. It has everything to do with where the Chargers are at. Um, I think that regardless of the receiver that the Chargers took at 22, if they were going to take a receiver, whether that was Johnston or Addison or Zay Flowers, this was going to be what happened with them. They were not going to play very much in year one. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, it's a lot of the reason why I thought they shouldn't have taken a receiver to begin with um, in the first round, because if you're taking a player in the first round, ideally the goal is to get them on the field and have them be productive in year one, um, mm-hmm. especially for a team that is ostensibly competing for an AFC championship. Um, but once they took a receiver, it was always going to be like, he's not going to see the field very much. Um, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams look like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams still. Um, neither one of them has really regressed a ton. Um, they both had over 10 targets against the Titans, um, in a more pass heavy game plan, um, last week. But you look at the cap table 
and you look at where the Chargers are at cap-wise going into next season, one of those guys is probably not going to be on the team. Um, and I think it's a very difficult thing to kind of bear out right now um, because they're both performing well. Um, I, you know, there's still a lot of season to go. There's a potential that the Chargers could make that money work and bring both of them back next year, but it would be very, very mm-hmm. difficult. Um, and you look at the way that they're using Mike Williams in this offense, and it's very easy to see, like, this is the Quentin Johnson role, and they've installed it a year early, and they're putting Mike Williams in it because Mike Williams is the better player right now, because Mike Williams is a very, very good NFL receiver. Um, but Mike Williams is probably the odd man out going forward just because Keenan Allen is so integral to the culture of this team and has kind of been the face of this Chargers offense for the last decade outside of quarterback. Um, And so I think that Williams is probably the one that's going to be on the way out after this season, which means that next year you just plug Johnson right in, in that role that he already has um, in that role that Mike Williams already has, excuse me. um, And then you just kind of let him do what he does. Um, But him not playing as much right now has everything to do with just where the charges are at. Josh Palmer is the best blocking receiver on the team. And so he's going to get snaps. That's just the way that it is. Um, There are a lot of Chargers fans that are very, very upset about Palmer playing over Johnston as wide receiver three. Um, The problem is that if you sub Palmer out for Johnston, the run game doesn't work as well because uh, the fact of the matter is the Chargers tight ends are not very good at blocking. And so you need Josh Palmer in there to block from the slot to kind of mitigate the fact that your tight ends are not super good in the run game. Um, and so he's going to get snaps. That's just going to be the way that it is. Um, he only got one target last week on 50 something snaps. That's what his role is. That's what he's on the field to do. Um, I don't, you know, it, it's not something that I'm overly concerned about. I don't think that Johnston is like coming along slowly or anything. In fact, Staley said yesterday in his press conference that they really like the way that Johnston has come along so far. And it's just a matter of like slowly bringing him into the NFL rather than like throwing him in the deep end right away and asking him to be like a major contributor, which I think is something that they're able to do because of the way that this receiver room is currently constructed. Um, as far as your other question about like, how are they getting more vertical passing game worked into this offense? Um, I think that you're seeing a lot more motion, um, and a lot more moving of personnel around, um, in general. And so, um, motion wise, they've, they've gone with a lot more looks where Keenan Allen lines up in the backfield, um, which has essentially gotten him into matchups where he's on an edge rusher or a linebacker or something. And then he just uh, does a little orbit motion out and then like runs a wheel route essentially. And it's a free like 15 yard gain on every play. Uh, they've, they've run it a couple times uh, in the first two weeks of the season and it's worked every single time so far because uh, you probably shouldn't be putting a linebacker on Keenan Allen, but when he lines up in the backfield, what else are you going to do? Um, so they've been doing that a lot. They've been using motion a lot more to kind of get their, pieces moving around a little bit before the snap. We've seen that kind of all over the league so far this season. Um, And then also just moving their personnel around. They've used Mike Williams in the slot a lot more. They've put Keenan on the outside a lot more. Um, That's allowed them to kind of like switch up their routes and be a little bit more unpredictable. Um, Mike has gotten to uh, run a little bit more of those like deep out routes and kind of more like over route sort of stuff over the middle. Um, Keenan is able to run a lot more vertical routes rather than just kind of like his underneath route tree from the slot. Um, And so there's a lot of creative stuff that Kellen Moore is doing. Um, There's a lot of 
There's a lot more under center play action shots that are built into the playbook, which I think you're going to see more and more as the season progresses, as teams realize that they have to respect the run game more and more, which I don't think they are quite yet. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. like the, the game against the Dolphins, right? Like that defensive line is not built to run a Vic Fangio scheme. Um, they're in year one of that system. It's just not really built for that. And so you can kind of write that off as a fluke. They play the Titans. The Titans are like, well, we don't need to focus on the run game because our defensive linemen are just good enough that like it, we don't, it's not something we need to key in on. Um, but I think as you get further and further down the line, it's going to be, okay, the Chargers have shown that they're at least competent at running the ball. And so we have to respect that and we have to suck in a little bit on this play action um and that's when i think you're going to start to see a lot more of those throws like 50 yards down the field where justin herbert is just uncorking it um and that hasn't come yet and that's fine um but it's it's something that i think is going to come and that's going to add um, a, a huge aspect of verticality to this offense as well i'm really excited to see the verticality of the offense just because you have some really interesting weapons and the wide receiver room is fascinating because nobody's small they usually want to build out a basketball team that's kind of pretty small but (laughs) how much is he actually getting in there as a true wide receiver not just the gadget guy because he got more snaps than quentin johnson did last week god that's suppressing my 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 draft (laughs) shambles right now uh but uh, it does make me feel a little better that they're just kind of bringing him along slowly which honestly is probably the best route just because he was so unpolished at TCU was just how they asked him to play. And he just needed a little bit of time to learn some of that nuance. And I'm glad he's getting that, but let's transition over to the defense and Brandon Staley Fangio guy, one year wonder defensive coordinator with the Los Angeles Rams does a phenomenal job, gets the chargers coaching job. And then it's almost like he's forgotten how to coach defense. I think they're, Worst in the league at allowing allowing explosive plays, and what is it like a hundred and forty million dollars of the salary cap is focused on the defense? What is going on? Like just big picture before we kind of get into the the micro here. What's going on with this defense? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, the big picture is that they suck. <laughs> um it's really it's really not any like more complicated than that um yeah they, they've they've poured in a ton of resources into it um you know they've they've paid all of these guys that were successful in the staley system before um obviously brought in sebastian joseph day and morgan fox on the defensive line um they shelled out a not a huge amount of money but a decent amount of money for eric kendricks who's a player that brandon staley is kind of 
always been enamored with if you kind of read between the lines of his commentary about him in training camp. Um, they paid a premium for J.C. Jackson to play the Jalen Ramsey role. Um, like they, they've just like obviously you have to pay Derwin James what he's worth. He's the, one of the best safeties in the league. Um, and so you have that contract on the books. Khalil Mack is a guy they brought over from his Brandon Staley connection with the Bears. Um, you're paying that salary. Joey Bose is on a huge salary. He's been kind of in and out of the lineup with injury. Like it's just like it's so much money that's wrapped up in it. And a lot of those players just haven't performed to expectation. Um, and it's really not any more complicated than that at a big picture level. Um, Joey Bosa, like I said, has been injured. Khalil Mack has kind of been banged up and is also just like not quite the player that he once was. I think that he's really like taken on more of a, it's funny because I think that Khalil Mack is a, is a lot more of like a Jadavian Clowney type player these days where he's like an absolute animal in run support, but is not really like a guy that's pushing the pocket and getting pressure a ton. And nobody Mm. has quite like changed their opinion of him quite yet. Um, Joseph Day has really not worked out um, for all the money that they gave him. Austin Johnson, they gave a pretty decent contract. He dislocated his kneecap in week eight last Mm. season, Uh, just came back. You know, he's back for this season, has been fine. JC Jackson obviously has the the ankle injury where he just randomly has an extra bone in his ankle, um, you know, three months after the Chargers sign him, misses all the camp, misses all the preseason last year. comes back, plays in a couple games, doesn't look very good, ruptures his patellar tendon, is out for the rest of the year, misses most of camp, misses the preseason again this season, comes back and doesn't look very good. Um, You know, and it's just like down the line, player to player, like you can point to every single guy and just say like they've underperformed with the exception of maybe Morgan Fox, who performed very well last season as a pass rusher from kind of a three tech five tech spot. Um, and then got a, went out and tested the free agent market. Didn't really get any money because he's only ever really been productive under Brandon Staley. Um, he went to the Panthers. He like, he got a huge contract from the Panthers a few years ago um, because of his success with Brandon Staley and then went to Carolina, wasn't the same player. And so I think you saw NFL teams kind of like, realized that that was the case he didn't really get the offers that he was looking for and then ends up coming back to the chargers on i believe another one-year deal that's you know maybe it's two years that's not super huge um and he's kind of not really taken a full complement of snaps this season he's kind of been worked out of the game plan because um tuli tu pelotu has um worked in really well as um the chargers second round pick and so yeah big picture wise like it's just underperforming along the defense. And there are plenty of reasons for that. And we can get into those at kind of a more micro, micro level. I have plenty of thoughts about why it is that they're underperforming and why it is that they suck. But yeah, big picture, it's just uh, they're bad. And uh, they there's no sign of improvement, really. Let's talk about the scheme here for a second, because uh, we got a really good synopsis of your thoughts on the players, which the J.C. Jackson extra bone in his ankle is just funny because that would only happen with the Chargers medical staff. And mm-hmm. I I want to know about the scheme because a lot of teams run Fangio. The Vikings ran a Fangio style defense last year. Ed Donatel just sucked at calling it. And it feels like a lot of these teams that are running Vic Fangio defenses have these limitations surrounding them. Unless Vic Fangio is actually calling the defense like Philadelphia last year. Vic Fangio ran that defense. You can Jonathan Gannon yes. may have called plays. Correct. That was Vic Fangio. 
and now he's down uh-huh. in Miami. And uh, how how much of this is scheme, and how much of this is Brandon Staley just can't call defense, or uh, how much of it is just the talent as you kind of laid out? Because it's there's really good players like Joey Bosa. The five games a year that he's healthy, Derwin James is fantastic. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. has proven to be a really nice co- cornerback piece. And then you have cast offs like Khalil Mack and Eric Kendricks kind of making up the a good part of the rest of the unit. But where are we at with this? Uh, who is more to blame here? That's the million dollar question. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, scheme wise, right? Like it, it's very similar to the defense that Donatel ran last season. The goal is to limit explosive plays in the past game by kind of putting that roof on the defense is what they call it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're running a lot of too high uh, safety looks, you're putting a lot of players kind of on the back end and you're saying like, you can take four or five yard gains as much as you want, um, but we're going to stop you from getting the 20, 30 yard gains. Um, the problem with that is that if you let up four or five yards on every play, the other team still gets a first down every two or three plays. Um, and also, like if your whole philosophy is we're not going to give up the big play through the air, uh, you can't give up 11 explosive passing plays in the first two weeks of the season. Um, That's not the same. Like those are diametrically opposed things. Um, And lo and behold, this is what the charges have done. Um, Part of this is just the scheme. I think, I don't know if it's too complicated for these players. I don't know if it's just like not being conveyed well enough. I don't know what exactly it is, but scheme wise, I think that like the chargers for the most part are calling the right plays. Um, the execution of them is awful. The execution of them has been awful. Um, and there's a number of reasons for that. Like we touched on the players have just kind of underperformed. I think the first two weeks of the season, um, Michael Davis, who was one of the best corners in the league, frankly, the, first, the like down the stretch last season, just doesn't look like the same guy this year. Um, and you know, he, he allowed, I think it was like a 150.7 passer rating um, on his targets against the Titans. Like just getting burned again and again and again um, just hasn't been the same guy. Asante Samuel is in this weird kind of rotation that they're doing now. Um, hasn't really gotten a chance to get in rhythm. He gave up a huge play um, against the Titans as well. Has kind of like not really gotten in the good, good graces of the coaching staff. Um <clears throat> JC Jackson has really struggled. Like we touched on Um, even when he's been healthy, just doesn't really look like he quite knows where he's supposed to be sometimes. Um, And part of that is just like the Staley scheme runs a lot of zone and JC Jackson is a press man corner. And so like when he signed with the chargers last season, it was the first time they had ever asked him to play zone in the NFL because he came over from the Patriots. Patriots run 80% man. The 20% of the snaps that they didn't run, man, they would just take J.C. Jackson off the field. Um, so mm-hmm. he gets to the Chargers. It's the first time that you're ever asking him to run zone coverage in the NFL. He doesn't know what he's doing. And Why'd they sign him then? Right, exactly. <laughs> the, the, this is the question, right? Um, and the answer is that they want him to be the Jalen Ramsey that Brandon Staley had when he was on the Rams. Um, they want him to be kind of like this box and one sort of player where you isolate JC Jackson with the best receiver on the opposing team. And then you play zone around that. Um, and that's fine. As long as that player is Jalen Ramsey caliber, which JC Jackson has not been. 
And so you realize, okay, JC Jackson isn't that caliber of player. We can't do that, at least not right now while he's coming back from this injury. Um, and then also right now while he's coming back from the second injury. And so then you're just running strictly zone defense. And they can't do that either because JC Jackson doesn't know where he's supposed to go. And so then you say, okay, let's just run man defense. And then you can't do that because Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. can't run with receivers down the field. Um, there's just been a lot. And like part of that is just there's been a ton of miscommunication. There's been a ton of errors. Um, I think that right now the Chargers are on their fourth uh, fourth or fifth defensive play caller um, player-wise, green dot-wise. Um, that they've had since Staley came in. Um, mm -hmm. Kenneth Murray called the defense a little bit um, as a rookie um, before Staley came in and then like briefly trained with the green, green dot um, when Staley came in his first year. Drew Tranquil has had the green dot, um, proved to just be too overwhelming for him. Um, Derwin James has had it, but you're asking Derwin James to do so much post-snap as well that it was just too overwhelming for him. Um, yeah. It just wasn't working. Eric Kendricks had the green dot in week one and now he's injured. And now Kenneth Murray is back to having the green dot. Like there's just a lot of change there. Um, and then coaching wise, I think that what you're seeing here is that Brandon Staley is a very good defensive mind. I still stand by that. I think that he's one of the better defensive scheme schemers in the league. Um, and I think that you see flashes of that when everything comes together correctly um, the 2022 Miami game comes to mind here, right? Where they just completely shut down that Dolphins offense, um, completely packed the middle of the field, like really made Tua uncomfortable, um, everything like that. Like you see stretches of that. The whole down, the whole back stretch of the season last season, the Chargers defense was cooking on all cylinders. What I think the problem here is, is that I don't necessarily think that Brandon Staley is a very good teacher. Um, and so you can be the best, scheme guy in the world but if you can't teach the scheme you're not a very good coach and yeah. especially i think that like there's a lot of things that play into that in terms of like well why is this coming up now right why is why didn't this come up when he was the defensive coordinator with the rams why didn't this come up when he was coming up as a position coach with the bears and everything and i think you look at it and like you touched on like he's a one-year wonder defensive coordinator with the rams and I think that a lot of those problems probably did exist when he was with the Rams, but the Rams also had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. They had mm -hmm. the talent, like they had the talent that was in their prime and was able to kind of bail him out of those like miscommunication mistakes. They had, you know, guys on the field that were able to call that defense as it was designed. The Chargers don't really have anyone like that. Um, they don't have the corner to kind of like play the way that the Chargers want to play. They don't really have the defensive guy to play the, the run that they want to be able to play, although the run defense has improved this season. And I think that you're seeing that like Staley, I think, is having trouble getting all of the things from his head to his players. I think there's just like there's a fundamental miscommunication error, even beyond what's going on on the field, that just starts with. Brandon Staley cannot articulate the way that he wants to run the defense correctly. Um, and whether that's because he's the head coach and so he has a million other responsibilities on his plate. And so he's just going crazy. Um, or if it's just, you know, this has always been an issue. I don't know. Um, and so I think that if things continue the way that they are, I think you, um, you know, we, we need to start having a conversation about like, 
let's see what Derek Ansley can do, the defensive coordinator, who's really just the defensive coordinator in, in, in name only, right, because he doesn't call plays. I think you need to see, like, what spin he can put on this defense and what he can do with play calling control and, like, let him be able to do, like, the things that he wants to do. Because otherwise, like, you have this game of telephone that's happening, basically, where Staley is calling the plays, but then during practice, like Staley is telling Ansley what he wants the defense to run. And then Ansley is telling the defense what they want to run. And then it's going through like two or three or four different players that have the green dot because of all this change that they've had um, Mm -hmm. in that uh, aspect as well. And so like, you just like the message gets lost. Right. And I think that's what you're seeing with the chargers defense, especially like with the, all of these miscommunications that are happening in week in, sorry, not week three, year three, like it's unacceptable, but at the same time, all of that is happening, I think, because like it's getting lost somewhere along the line, right? Like there there are four people that all of the play calls are coming through in installs every week. And that's just not a conducive uh, setup. Like that's not conducive to success. I think that's interesting. And I want to go here before we kind of look at uh, matchups to watch and, and then get a prediction from you as well. If he is really this great schemer and he doesn't have the personnel to run what he's doing and what he wants to do. And it's a similar question we had with that Donatel. Why isn't there been an adjustment for the, the actual personnel that he has? If he knows he can't run like a Jalen Ramsey style, uh, Vic Fangio concepts because he doesn't have Jalen Ramsey. Why is he calling that? Why isn't he adjusting well enough to his personnel? Well, they've tried right? And it's what we talked about with like JC Jackson doesn't know how to play zone defense is like they've tried mm-hmm. to adjust, right? And their adjustment is, okay, we're going to move to to zone. And then Jackson is out of out of position, um, you know, over and over again early in the season last year. And then the adjustment is, okay, we're going to go to man. Um, and we're going to have JC Jackson. Um, well, actually, by that point, Jackson was injured. So it was actually like, we're going to have Michael Davis and Asante Samuel just mug people on the line. And we're just going to play a ton of press man. And we're going to put a lot more pressure on the middle of the field defenders to execute. Um, And that worked um, down the stretch last season. And then for whatever reason, now that Jackson is back, they've moved back off of that. And I think that they are trying to, it sounds insane because it's the middle at this point, like it's week two of the season. You should know this at this point, but it sounds like they're basically trying to figure out what they have right now. Um, This week um, Staley said yesterday that, Jackson, Michael Davis, and Asante Samuel Jr. are all going to rotate at outside corner. Um, it's going to be like a rotation. And the problem with that, and Michael Davis has said as much in his postgame comments uh, last week, is that if you're playing corner, you want to be out there for every drive because you want to get into a rhythm. You want to be able to pick up on small things that the offense is doing so that you can like take advantage of those tells later in the game. You can't mm-hmm. do that if you're being taken out every other drive because you're trying because the person you know because your coach is trying to figure out which one of you is playing the best. Um, the joke that we've had going around um, our Chargers circles this week is basically like whoever covers Justin Jefferson the the least poorly is the new starting corner, <laughs> um, <laughs> and like that's the way that they're going to figure it out. Um, and so like they they've tried to make these adjustments, um, but when Jackson doesn't practice for all of camp, like they just don't know what they have in him really. And so like, it's very difficult for them to make these adjustments on the back end because they really just don't know what they have. Um, And so I think that's what you're kind of seeing early on this season is that they're trying to figure out 
what their best combination is, what their best personnel is, what their best scheme is. Um, keep in mind too here, like their third round pick, Dayon Henley, hasn't played at all um, because he picked up a hamstring injury in the preseason. He looked fantastic in the preseason. I think he's gonna he's gonna be someone that factors in a little bit um, once he's healthy, right? And so like Chris Rumpf hasn't been healthy either. One of the rotational pieces at edge rusher, like there's still like a couple guys where they just like don't have their full complement of players to do everything that they want to be able to do. Mm. Um, and that's not an excuse, right? Like the defense is, is still bad. Like they're underperforming. They still like, there's no excuse for how bad they've looked with Brandon Staley at, um, calling the plays. Um, but there is just an aspect of it where it's like, they need to just figure out what they have and they're trying to kind of make those adjustments on the fly. And I think that's a lot of the reason why you're seeing that like, it's just not working is because like, the adjustments are more about like they're more exploratory than problem solving at this stage. Ah, I got you. That that makes a lot of sense. Let's look, talk about a couple interesting matchups. One of them being that I'm really looking forward to is the Chargers receivers against this uh, Brian Flores secondary, and it, it's a, makeshift is the wrong word, but it's not exactly what you would call a prolific group of players. It's a bunch of youth, bunch of guys who are potential and probably the best cornerback is Byron Murphy Jr. Somebody, you know, really well covering the Washington Huskies up there in Seattle. And you have Harrison Smith, who's not quite what he used to be, but his brain is still all the way there, but they've done a really good job over the first two weeks, limiting passing the football. Both teams finished under 200 yards, passing the ball with the Buccaneers only mustering 242 yards of offense against this defense. What do you think they're, uh, the Vikings are in for with this passing game? Do you think that they're going to ha- have enough unique concepts to be able to attack this defense because they're utilizing a lot of three safety looks and making you beat them with paper cuts? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, beating you with paper cuts is something that the Chargers offense is pretty comfortable with. Um, obviously, you have Keenan Allen, who's one of the best underneath receivers in the league. Um, and so that will probably factor in. Um, and they've gotten Mike Williams involved in a lot more quick game this season, um, running a lot more screens, kind of like jet sweeps, like all the stuff like we talked about, like you would expect Quinton Johnson to be doing um, because Mike Williams is not really like that sort of player typically of like running a bunch of screens and like quick outs and jet sweeps and stuff to him. Like that sounds like something you should probably have Quinton Johnson do, but he's not quite there yet. We talked about that, you know, everything like that. But they're still going to be involved, of course. Like, they're going to be much more involved in the game plan. But I think that you probably see something that's much more similar to a uh, a Dolphins game plan than a Titans game plan from the Chargers perspective, where, like, they're going to pass the ball, of course, because they have Justin Herbert and they have Keenan Allen and they have Mike Williams. Um, they're probably going to lean on it a little bit more than they did in the Miami game because Austin Eckler is not going to play more than likely. Um, but they're going to you know, they're, they're perfectly fine with, okay, you're only going to give us a five yard out route. Like that's fine. Justin Herbert is perfectly fine with that. Like we talked about, like, honestly, Mm -hmm. like he's more comfortable throwing those routes than he is throwing the ball 60 yards down the field, even though everything about his arm talent and like the highlight plays that we've seen from him in the NFL suggest that he should be more comfortable with the deeper passes. He's much more comfortable going bang, bang, bang through reads and then finding a guy that's open. They're going to be perfectly fine with doing that. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how how that works. Is there a matchup on either side of the ball that you are really looking forward to watching? Because this Vikings team, they're 0 2, but it's only because of turnovers. They've turned the ball over seven times with, with a negative six point or turnover differential. 
and they've only lost by a total of nine points across two games. You take away one turnover in each game. It's probably a different story. What are you looking forward to in, to see, watching in this game? Yeah, I think this is a game where you want to see Joey Bosa and Kalou Mack show up, right? And I think that it, this game to me feels very similar to the Dolphins game, just in the sense of like, we know the Vikings are going to try to pass the ball. Um, like they have, I think it's, what is it? The least or the second least rushing yards in the league so far this season, the Vikings. Um, the least attempts like, and yards. Least, yeah, and least attempts and yards. So like, we know they're going to throw the ball. That's what their offense is. We know Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson is fantastic. Jordan Addison has been incredible. KJ Osborne has been less so, but he's getting a lot of targets. <laughs> um, and right. so, you know, I think like, you know, they're going to throw the ball and, but then you look at the offensive line, of course, and you look at all the injuries that they have with Derisaw kind of, I don't know what his status is exactly, right? But kind of... This is uh, near just like Eckler's with an 50, ankle. 50. Yeah, like 50-50, kind of the same as Austin Eckler. Like, no one's really sure. Ole Udo goes down with a season-ender um, last week for the Vikings. And so if Derisaw doesn't go, you're on your third-string left tackle. Dalton Risner, whether or not he's going to play or not, is something probably uh, like I'm going to keep an eye on just in terms of like Ed Ingram has not been super great as a pass protector. Um, you know, that interior of the Vikings line is kind of still a work in progress as it has been for seemingly forever. Um, this is a game where you want to see Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack show up against the Dolphins who were starting a backup at left tackle and had a center who was playing center for the first time ever. They didn't show up at all. They got hardly any pressure on Tua, And when they did it, Tua had already gotten the ball out because he has the fastest time to throw in the league. Kirk Cousins, typically does not have the fastest time to throw in the league. And so I think this is something where you might see Bosa and Mack make more of an impact. That's going to be where my focus is on, because if you can disrupt the passing game by getting pressure, then I think that that's going to be a much more sustainable way to try to stop this passing attack than by trying to beat them in coverage. Because so far the secondary has just shown that like they can't do that. And so um, the pass rush is going to be a huge factor in this game, I think, for the Chargers. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm really intrigued to see if Derisaw plays, it's going to be a war up front that I look forward to watching. But this game is going to be psychotic in a lot of ways. It could end up 49-45 or 10-6. And really, no no game would be truly surprising with how, for lack of a better term, weird these two franchises are. What is your prediction on how this game ends up? Because the loser... If there is a loser, because it could end up being a tie, just just to mess with us, who ends up 0-3? Yeah, um, real quick, let me just uh, pull up the Scorigami grid and see what, <laughs> what, what we can do here. Um, I think uh, 32-26 seems like a good score. Um, that'd be a Scorigami. That hasn't happened before. I think that seems like a reasonable outcome for this game. Which team is 32 and which team is 26? I really have no idea. I lean towards... The Chargers pulling this one out, I think the Vikings end up going 0-3 just because I think that the Viking. obviously, like we talked about the turnover issues with the Vikings. I think that turnovers are a super volatile stat. Um, you know, you can't count on like, oh, the Vikings are going to turn the ball over three times in this game. Um, but also like with kind of like the aura around both of these teams, right? Like we could get a game where like the Vikings turn the ball over five times and the Chargers only turn it over twice. Or we could get a game where neither team turns the ball over and like it just ends like 10 to 6 because it's just like a punt fest mm-hmm. the whole time. 
Um, but the Chargers haven't turned the ball over a single time yet this season. Justin Herbert hasn't thrown an interception. Justin Herbert hasn't fumbled. None of their receivers have fumbled. None of their running backs have fumbled. Zero turnovers through two games, um, which also makes the fact that the Chargers are 0-2 unfathomable. Like, they've mm-hmm. scored 50-plus points. They haven't turned the ball over a single time. They're 0-2. It's insane. Yeah. Regression to the mean, just like solely regression to the mean, which I'm sure has been a topic for the Vikings in the opposite direction over and over and over again this season, right? Of like going 11-0 in one-score games, not sustainable. So purely from that perspective, right, if you do not turn the ball over and you score 25-plus points in the game, you should at some point win one of these games. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing a Vikings team that has struggled to hold on to the ball, that has struggled multiple times, obviously, like, we thought that this was going to be the case with the Titans game, where Ryan Tannehill threw three picks against the Saints. The Vikings have done this twice against two defenses that I don't think are particularly good. Um, like, the Buccaneers defense I don't think is, a, like, a top unit in the league. Um, and so I think it's something where you can look at that and you can say, it's probably going to come down to the turnover battle based on what we know through two weeks, of the season, you probably take the chargers in the turnover battle and therefore take the chargers in the game, but taking the chargers in the turnover battle has not resulted in taking the chargers in the game so far, but I'm going to stick with that just because I think it'll be funny. My official prediction is 32, 26 for a scoregami, a one score game, um, you know, plenty of offense. Um, I think that uh, if you have Josh Kelly in fantasy, you should start him um, because he's probably going to run for like 100 yards against this Vikings defense at least. Even if Austin Eckler plays, I think he's good for like 60 to 75 yards. Um, So he's someone, if he's still available in your league, go pick him up. If he's not available in your league and you have him, start him. If he's not available and he's on someone else's team, hope that you're not playing them. Um, But yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of offense, not a lot of defense. Uh, something weird is going to happen. I don't know how either team gets to 32 or 26. Those are not normal scores to get to, um, but that's Chargers and Vikings football, baby. Well, I will say this much. The Super Bowl 33, I believe it was, at Panthers and Patriots was 32-29. So it's it's not impossible to get to 32. All all you need is uh, four touchdowns, a two-point conversion, a field goal. 26 is a little weirder. That sounds like one team hits five field goals, maybe six. And, and then there's a missed extra point because of course uh, right. that Alex, really appreciate you uh, coming on here today. I always love uh, talking ball with you. Where can the people find you and your awesome work as you are the Sultan of spreadsheets? <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, most everything that uh, has to do with me on the internet, uh, you can find on my Twitter account, um, as long as Twitter is free to use and uh, a functioning website, I guess. Um, it's just at Alex Katzen. It's the same way that my name is spelled on the screen there. Um, I write for Chargers Wire. I write about college football um, with Tyler at College Football Network and also a couple other places, uh, mostly talking about the Washington Huskies, which is my um, alum team um i write about the draft i do all sorts of stuff um all the spreadsheets and everything i collect a whole bunch of football data all that stuff is on patreon you can find that from my twitter account um but yeah um twitter is the best place to find all of my stuff um i'm all sorts of places these days i think i have eight jobs this season (laughs) and so uh Twitter is really just the best place to find it. All of it is centralized there. If I try to rattle off everything, I'm going to forget something and then I'm going to feel bad later. Um, and it's going to be too confusing to begin with. So just go to my Twitter account at Alex Katzen. Um, you'll find everything there. 
Easy peasy. Alex Katzen, the, the only guy I know that actually has more jobs in the industry than I do, which <laughs> is quite the feat. I, I appreciate yeah. you coming on, and I, I'm excited to watch this game because it's going to be absolutely psychotic, and we're gonna we're gonna be in for one hell of a ride, Dave. It's time to take us home and get us out of here on this Tuesday night. What we do have in store for you tomorrow is one, a great show talking about all things, Minnesota Vikings and two, a special announcement from us here at Vikings first and skull to kick off the show. You will not want to miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Dave only knows about two thirds of it. So uh, (laughs) we're going to have a good time as I sit my great pop as Dave takes us home. Well, and we're probably also going to talk about Dalton Risner because I want to get into that as well. It's going to be a with, big topic. With that, what do we say? Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis, And myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.